Hey, you're listening to the Riverdale Podcast. This is episode number 232. My name is Jonathan. Welcome to lovely Riverdale, USA. This is an Archie Comics fan podcast. We update every Saturday morning and every week we break things up four ways. First up this week is the book of the week. That's the comic book I read this week. Sometimes it's a new comic book. Sometimes it's an old comic book, but it's always an Archie comic book. We move then to the news of the week. That's what happened in the world of Archie in the week since our last podcast. Then on to new releases. That's what came out this past Wednesday. What will be coming up this coming Wednesday and your digital releases of the week. And we're going to wrap up this week with a few listener questions, a few emails that came in. For those who aren't aware and haven't been listening, the show is ending. The show is wrapping up. We're currently uh, into our 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 countdown of sorts. Um, this is the the second part of the countdown. Um, we'll have three more episodes after this one. Um, so we'll be wrapping up the first week of September, just to make it an even four and a half years. As opposed to nearly four and a half years. In any event, um, the show is wrapping up, closing down. So if you've got comments, questions, anything you want to send in, ask a question, make a comment, uh, you know, leave a voicemail, any of that stuff. Um, the next couple weeks is the time to do it. I've got a couple things planned before we shut the lights out on the Riverdale podcast. Um... We've got one more book club episode coming up. I hesitate to announce it because we haven't recorded it yet. We haven't lined up the recording of it. But the plan at the moment is to do um, a, a, a lengthy book club discussion of Night at the Comic Shop, that great storyline that ran, I believe, in Archie and Friends um, 10 years back or so. Great Fernando Ruiz art in there. Um, really, really good stuff. I haven't, uh, I haven't read it ever, actually. I'm really, really looking forward to reading it. I read the sequel that came just a, a year or so on the tail of it. Um, so I'm excited to read that and talk about that with the usual crew of, uh, of book club folks. So, uh, hopefully we'll get that together in the next few episodes and out to you. Um, also, Patreon supporters, folks who are subscribing and supporting the show on Patreon. Uh, you've got one more video coming your way. I'll be filming that. I'm planning on filming that this week. You'll probably have it by the time you hear next week's episode. Good, good, awesome. Okay, um, here we go. Let's jump into it. Talking about a classic issue this week for this week's Book of the Week. All right, folks, this week's book of the week is Betty and Veronica number 44 from way back in 1991. Now, I, I'm willing to assume that everybody's got like a, a, like a sweet spot when it comes to Archie comics or maybe comics in general. Um, for me, that really is like maybe like 89 to 92, just when I was coming up finding comic books for the first time. Um, you know, reading Archie, reading G.I. Joe, reading, uh, what was I reading? I don't know. <laughs> um, a lot of different stuff, just trying a lot of different comics. Um, that was a time when I was young. I wasn't able to, to get to the comic shop every week or to find consecutive issues of, uh, of comic books. I would just look at the cover and buy the ones that, that looked exciting or cool or, you know, were based on cartoons I liked or, you know, things like that. And, um, going back and reading this, this issue from 1991, which is like right, right in that spot where I love 
I love the the era. I love the ads. Um, it's a, it's a real sort of hits those nostalgic notes for me. Um, if if you guys, I'm interested here. If you guys have particular particular eras like that, that when you when you find a comic book from that era and you're going through and looking at the ads or um, just the 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 general like design or composition of the book. Um, comic books are just they're put together. They're designed. They're laid out differently. Uh, in different different eras, um, if there's if there's a period in time that that really resonates with you, I'd I'd love to hear what people think about that. Um, but let's talk about this book because this, um, as I said, is from the era that I love, and uh, I I picked it up out of the short boxes uh, today. Um, opened it up inside cover. Uh, for, I guess we'll start with the cover, um, which is just a a classic, uh, Dan DiCarlo cover with Allison Flood inks on it. Um, Betty's looking for seashells. Uh, in the background it says, Archie, have you found any more seashells? And uh, and Archie is in the, uh, the the foreground leering really uh, really strangely with this big dopey smile at Veronica. Uh, Veronica has a bathing suit with uh, seashells on it. A, uh, a beach umbrella with uh, with seashells on it, uh, a beach towel with seashells on it, sandals with seashells. You get the idea. Uh, she is very much adorned in seashells. Um, good enough. Good enough cover. I will. I'll take it. Here on the inside cover, we get a Cap and Crunch ad, and I love Cap and Crunch. Um, and our first story. Uh, check this out, you guys. This, okay, so sometimes you love things because they're from your childhood, and sometimes you love things because they're actually fantastic and great and this is the category it falls into and i have proof of that because the creative team on this first story which is entitled uh, return engagement uh this was scripted by frank doyle penciled by dan DiCarlo, inked by allison flood with lettering by bill yoshida coloring by barry grossman edited edited by victor gorlick that's awesome. That, I mean, has that team has that team of people ever made a bad story? Probably, but I haven't read it yet. Um, this one is, uh, you know, it doesn't set the world on fire, but I really, really like it. Um, in the story, Betty and Veronica here in this first panel are hanging up a big banner that says, Welcome back, Elvis. So there's a lot of joking um, at their expense that they believe that Elvis is back, that he's coming back, that... Uh, uh, they never really get too specific about which Elvis or where Elvis has gone. And the big reveal is that Elvis is a childhood friend. Um, and in the midst of their uh, their sort of rivalry with Archie and Jughead about the fact that Elvis was not coming back, they made uh, a bet to be uh, Betty and Veronica's servants for two weeks. Um, and they lost that bet because Elvis did, in fact, return. Just not in the way that anyone expected, I guess. Um, also, um, an add in here for the Kushkins miniseries. If anyone was around, if anyone was a kid when I was a kid, there were Kush balls, uh, which were extremely hard to describe. They were like, uh, they were like a, like a band, like a, like a ball <laughs> that is like made of like chopped rubber bands. So, uh, not very much a ball at all, so much as like a, like a, a textural kind of thing. It was just that there's a center ball with a bunch of like rubbery things coming out in every direction. 
I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, during the, the Koosh Ball craze, they made these toys that had faces and arms, and they called them Kushkins. And for whatever reason, they got a four-issue miniseries from Archie Comics, which I assume due to underperforming was cut to a three-issue miniseries. I have actually talked about this on the show at some point. I know I reviewed one or all of these issues at some point. I think on a bonus episode. You can go back in the archive and uh, and search for it. I bet you can find it. Just a, a super, super strange miniseries. I was excited to see that ad in here. Um, also a great ad in here for the Americana series. For the, the very first volume of the Americana series. Um, so back in 1991, this is um, the best of the 40s which is really, really cool. Um, uh, our guest on last week's show, one of our guests on last week's show, Paul Castiglia, um, compiled these books. And um, yeah, yeah, super important. Um, it also, it just, it feels novel and interesting to me that they launched the Americana series in 1991 um, and the series went on to run for 20 years or so and eventually there was a best of the 90s. I don't know why that resonates with me, but I, there's something about that. They couldn't have known in 1991 that in 20 years they would be making one about the decade in which they launched the series. I think that's rad. Um, and those Americana books are fantastic. Um, uh, Archie subscriptions, three issues for $2 in my dreams. That sounds really, really fantastic. Um, the Archie 50th anniversary t-shirt as they were um, celebrating their 50th anniversary uh, and are now celebrating their 75th. That's awesome. This book is 25 years old um, and absolutely fantastic. Um, next story up is Betty and Veronica in a very special occasion, scripted by Hal Smith with pencils by Dan DiCarlo and Dan Parent, um, inking by Allison Flood. In this story, um, I'm going to assume that maybe Dan DiCarlo did the breakdowns, like uh, sketched out the panels. And Dan Parent did the finishes. I'm not sure exactly what their um, their sort of uh, mentor-mentee relationship was in putting these books together. But it's a really fine marriage in terms of the art. I really, really like it. Um, in this story, uh, Betty is very, very excited because it is her and Archie's uh, anniversary of their very first date when they went to see The Glob, uh, the famous horror movie that is specifically not The Blob. Um, and, uh, Betty is certain that Archie's going to forget. So she asks her mom, she says, how can I remind Archie? And, uh, and her, her mom says that she should, uh, you should drop some subtle hints. So Betty shows up at Archie's house with a box of dates, um, sort of medjool dates. Um, and, uh, they begin eating them and she's talking about how great dates are and how was his first date and all of that. Um, then uh, goes on to to do even more sort of like ham-handed reminders. Um, and then just the the real like salt in the wound is when she goes to Pops to uh, drown her sorrows in a strawberry malt. Um, there is uh, Pops, Jughead, uh, Reggie, Moose, Dilton, and they're all celebrating their own anniversaries. Jughead is celebrating. Jughead and Pops are celebrating the anniversary of the first hamburger Pop ever made for Jughead. That is quite an anniversary. Um, Moose is celebrating his first home run. Dilton is celebrating the anniversary of his first computer. And this only stands to make uh, Betty even more angry. 
Um, and then we have a fantastic moment in which Jughead, ever the pal, ever the buddy, runs to Archie's house to let him know that uh, he's forgotten some kind of anniversary. And Archie calls it up on his giant blocky computer. <laughs> uh, he says, you're right, Jug. Good thing I entered it in my computer. Um, Archie goes to the bakery and orders a beautiful cake for Betty. Um, but he picks up the wrong cake. It's inscribed with the wrong message. And he ends up in the story covered in cake. Um, classic, super fun, super fun story. Um, also, Josie and the Pussycats, one pager, scripted by George Gladier, penciled by Stan Goldberg. That's beautiful. Um, I feel like, you know, uh, issues of this era read to me like, like, uh, like digests. Like, it's just like the best stuff. I feel like this was a really great era for Archie. Um, Veronica becomes a hypochondriac. And they never really resolve it in this story um, called Sick of It, uh, written by Frank Doyle with pencils by Dan DiCarlo. Again, inks by Allison Flood. Um, yeah, everyone who's having a hard time, Veronica decides she's having a harder time. Um, her cold is, is worse than, than, uh, than Archie's. Her tennis elbow is worse than her dad's. Um, and she's sort of caught in this lie and eventually finds that... Uh, that uh, you know, Betty sort of diagnoses her with hypochondria and then she uh, storms off being uh, very excited that she has hypochondria. So <laughs> there's really no resolution there. I really, really like it. Um, there's a Dear Betty and Veronica page where folks write in for love advice. Um, nothing that particularly stands out in this one. I'm always excited to read these advice columns because um, I famously, I found one in, uh, in That Wilkin Boy a few years ago, and I did a video about it. Um, if you want to go back and search Riverdale Podcast on YouTube, you can find that video of the worst advice column I've ever read in my life. Um, there's a Archie's environmental tip. It's like a one-page like public service announcement encouraging you to bring your own bag to the grocery store. I love that. Um, and then this last story, last thing I'll say, is uh, Betty and Veronica in Baby Talk, scripted by Frank Doyle, Pencil by Dan DiCarlo, Allison Flood, Inks. Um, Betty is babysitting. Um, Archie is helping her out. And there's a, a really, really special moment where um, Archie has sort of uh, t turned down Veronica's uh, invite to hang out at her pool um, to go and help Betty with her babysitting. Um, and Veronica shows up, and Betty and Veronica, Betty and Archie rather, have uh, have been messing around with this uh, kiddie pool in the backyard. Have like sprayed each other with a hose and fallen in the kiddie pool, and are having a great time. And Veronica shows up, and she's furious because, uh, you know, she had invited Archie, and he had turned her down. Um, so Archie just sort of like turns the hose on her, sprays her. She says. Uh, she sort of just kind of like falls for the like the 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 fun of it, I guess. Um, and the the story ends with the three of them sort of like splashing around in the pool together, and they're all smiling. And that's so that happens so infrequently <laughs> in these stories. I feel like either uh, you know Archie and Betty are happy together, or Betty and Veronica are happy together, or Veronica and Archie are happy together, and someone is slighted, or someone is uh, taking the higher road or something when the story ends. But really, to to read this story where they're they're just hanging out together at the end, um, just kind of splashing around in this pool together, being childlike and and having fun, um, was so nice. It, like really, 
really warmed my heart more than I'm more than I would like to admit. Um, I had a lot of fun reading this issue. Um, yeah, back back inside cover has uh, an ad for GI Joe trading cards, and I love those. Uh, back cover has an ad for Ultra Koosh Ball, new Ultra Koosh Ball, ultra new, ultra hot, ultra Koosh. Um, very '90s looking ad. Um, I love it. I had a really great time. Thanks for indulging me in uh, going back to my childhood to read this week's book of the week, Betty and Veronica, number 44. All right. So we've been, uh, we've been out of the format of things for the last couple weeks. Um, and we haven't covered news all that much. So I don't know how much of this happened in the last week or how much I'm just catching up with now. Um, but let's, let's run through and talk about some of the things that I'm, I'm particularly excited about uh, in, the, in the world of Archie news. Um, it was announced just before San Diego Comic-Con that Rachel Antonoff, a uh, fashion designer, is putting together um, a Betty and Veronica collection. I think this is really, really exciting. There was a, a, a denim jacket that was shown off at San Diego that had some great like embroidered patches all down the back of it. Um, I really, really like the aesthetic of it. Um, as it's a women's line, I don't know how much I will be able to wear comfortably. I don't know. If there's if there's a piece that's rad, I would love uh, to get it and make it happen. Um, but I guess we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, but uh, yeah, so I looked up uh, Rachel Antonoff. Um, I like her aesthetic. Um, I like her stuff. And it, it was in my reading revealed that uh, Archie approached her about doing the line, which I think is super interesting. Um, and uh, she's got an Instagram account up under uh, Betty and Veronica that's doing some some reveals of the uh, j- just the design process and um, inspiration and stuff like that. I've had a really good time following it, and you might as well. Um, let's get into some dirt, some legal stuff going on. Scott Fulop, uh, who was a, an artist on Sonic the Hedgehog back in the late 90s, 96 to 98, um, has, uh, filed suit for sort of, I guess, not control necessarily, I guess, but payment of characters that he created. Um, I'm quoting an article here from the New York Post. It says, uh, artist Scott Fulop, who says he created, he originated 15 secondary characters for Sonic Comics, released by Archie Comics, argues in a Manhattan federal court suit that the publisher has no right to keep using his creations without paying him. Now this, this is a story that rings very familiar due to the uh, suit between Ken Penders and Archie Comics from, I don't know, three or four years back. Um, and it is a very, very common story in the world of comics in terms of um, freelance and work-for-hire creators making things um, that are then owned by the companies for whom they worked. Um, there's been, I mean, of course I'm blanking on any other cases like this. I mean, Superman. Superman, Superboy, um, uh, there's Wonder Woman. You know, this is this has come up in big, big, um, high-profile cases. And, um, I mean, and I don't know the specifics of the contracts, obviously. Who am I? What do I know? Um, but it's very tricky because often, in many, many cases, when um, contracts are drawn up and work-for-hire work is done, 
um, the the pages, the characters, the concepts, um, all of that is owned wholly by the company that has hired that person. Um, and that can be really tricky, especially when you get into um, um, you know multimedia purpose situations and 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 uh repurposing if a uh if a character that you created for a comic book in 1978 or something um ends up in a film in 2016 um that's obviously a much different situation than than what than the audience for which you created that that character um you obviously couldn't in 1978 being like, oh, geez, I need a Spider-Man villain. Let me draw one up. Know that he's going to show up in a movie, you know, 40 years down the road. Um, and there have been, I know, I feel like Marvel and, and DC, some of the larger companies definitely have um, royalty plans for things like that. They'll, you know, cut somebody a check if they're, you know, uh, if they've created a character who's now in a big multimedia production or something. Um but uh, that's not something they contractually have to do. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of interesting interesting situations like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, we could go from th- this situation with Scott Scott Fulop. It'll be interesting to see what happened there. Um, I know that Kenton Pender's suit uh, was settled out of court. Um, and then going back to um, Dan DiCarlo, like the man we love, um, passed away while he was in uh, suit with Archie Comics over um, royalty rights from Josie and the Pussycats, the film, back in uh, 2000. So a very common story. Hopefully this has a happy ending. Hopefully both parties can figure out what's going on. Um, It's certainly... um, Yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm not certain that Archie Comics is in the wrong. I'm not sure exactly what it is that's going on, but we'll... uh, We'll wait and see. So um, I'll be following that as it develops. Um, maybe if you're interested, keep an eye out on that. Um, and talking as I was about Marvel in DC, uh, last thing I want to mention is that Dan Parent is doing some covers um, for some upcoming DC books coming out in October. DC Comics recently relaunched a bunch of, or, or launched, I guess, a bunch of uh, sort of rebooted, Hanna-Barbera properties. Probably you've seen these if you've been in the comic shops. Um, but uh, as Dan Parent is a uh, longtime friend of the show, um, I just wanted to mention that he'll be doing variant covers for Scooby Apocalypse, number seven, Flintstones, number four, Wacky Raceland, number five, and Future Quest, number six. Um, all of those images are public. Uh, they came out just a few days ago. So if you search... Uh, a, a lot of major news sites, and uh, I know that Dan's been posting them up on Facebook and stuff too. So um, keep an eye out for those. Those look really, really great. Um, so there it is. That is your news for this week. All right, new releases. New releases for this past Wednesday, August the 10th. Um, Sonic Universe number 88 came out this week with uh, two covers, one by Tracy Yardley, one by Diana Skelly. Coming up this coming Wednesday, the 17th, Jughead and Archie Comics Annual Digest number 22. I assume that's what we'll be talking about next week unless I get sucked into old Betty and Veronica comics again. If you, if you have an opinion, if you would like me to go one way or the other, uh, write in, let me know. 
Um, also out this week, the second printing of Sonic Mega Drive number one, and uh, Sonic Hedgehog number Sonic the Hedgehog number two eighty five. Um, on the digital side of things, in the digital world of comics, Pep Digital number 184 came out this week, um, entitled The Riverdale Games, um, a, a slyly Olympic-themed uh, collection. Um, uh, Bleeding, Bleeding Cool posted an article about, uh, about Archie having to switch up some of the um, solicit language about that to not mention some very specific and ridiculous um, copyrighted Olympic terms in there. So uh, no doubt the Riverdale Games collection is full of sports uh, stories and track meets and all that sort of uh, good, uh, hearty uh, world, I was going to say American, <laughs> I don't know, um, <laughs> sporting, good, good sports, stuff I know lots about. Anyway, there you have it. Those are your new releases for this past Wednesday the 10th. Uh, this coming Wednesday the 17th and your digital exclusive of the week from Archie Comics. All right. We've got a few messages that came in from Tumblr. We're going to go through and answer them. I love getting questions. Um, if you want to uh, ask a question, um, these folks just went to uh, the, the Tumblr, riverdalepodcast.com slash ask. You can uh, type in your question, send it off. And I will answer it. And as I said at the top of the show, you've got three more episodes to make it happen. So uh, so s- send them in if you've got them. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this. Ryoa? R-I-O-A on Tumblr. Says, hi, this is my first time writing in. I love the show. My question is, what would you like to see in the upcoming Josie and the Pussycats comic reboot? Okay, first of all, um, thanks for sending this in. Um, I'm sorry this came a few weeks ago and I've been doing this sort of like interviewee, uh, having having special guests the last few weeks. So I'm sorry it took me a while to get to this one, but thank you so much for writing it in. Um, the upcoming Josie and the Pussycats reboot comic. Um, I would like to see a comic that really balances what Josie and the Pussycats has been in the past with a lot of new, original, and fresh ideas. I think maybe this is like too diplomatic an answer, but um, I personally am a much bigger fan of the Josie comics from the 60s. Um, And the Josie and the Pussycat stuff, while I like it, I'm not a huge fan of the cartoon um, and the sort of like Scooby-Doo mystery kind of format that it fell into. Um, and I feel like in my lifetime, there really hasn't been like a steady quality Josie and the Pussycats comic. Um, at least not one that resonated with me. I'm sorry if I stepped on anybody's feet by saying that, but I, there hasn't been one that I connected with and read. Um, so I guess I'm really excited to see what Josie and the Pussycats looks like set in a modern era um i would love for them to be teenagers i would love to have them be fairly grounded like not super famous and be maybe touring struggling that kind of thing um more so than i would like to see them like be internet superstars or anything like that i'd much rather see like a cool like 
touring band kind of kind of comic. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, and that would really give the opportunity to, um, you know, to have like a like a a, a home base where they would live, but then maybe go out and meet other characters and things like that. Um, I, yeah, I would like it to, to have a really, uh, really fresh, really, uh, feminine voice. I feel like, um, there have been obviously women artists who are working on things, but I'm excited to have a, a woman writer come into Archie comics to write strong female characters. I think that the, the comic is really going to benefit from that. Um, and I, maybe that's the last thing I'll say. I, yeah, I would love to see them like in a van touring. Um, I would love for them to be great friends. Um, I've been watching a lot of broad city lately and I really, I really like, uh, I I really like watching or reading a narrative that is about a strong friendship. Um, so yeah, if, if you had the camaraderie that they had, um, in the movie, uh, coupled with like modern stuff, uh, modern sensibilities, uh, great artwork, I guess that's all I could hope for. But on the flip side, I have said on this show that this comic is going to have to be awful for me not to read it. It's going to have to be like the worst thing ever because, uh, I, I love Josie and the Pussycats. Um, and largely I love them more in concept than I do in execution because, like I said, there really hasn't been a comic book that that connected with me with those characters. But I love the movie. I love the visuals. There's something about the, the intro to the cartoon that, like, really gets me pumped. I love the, the, um, the theme song. That's really, really fantastic. So, like, I am, I am going into this comic, like, 1,000% ready to like it. And I think any flaws in it are going to be uh, very, very slow to dawn on me. So there is a very long answer to your very simple question. Thanks again for writing in. Um, we've got a couple more things that came in, uh, both from someone who's written in prior, Tiberius Mulder. Again, Tiberius Mulder, I love that name um uh thank you very much for answering my ask yes i answered your question a few weeks ago um tiberius says what exactly did archie comics think of the josie and the pussycats movie um how do you know they didn't like it uh i must have talked about that in the past um so um he's bringing up the fact that uh I've I've talked about it in the fa- in the past and i think it's pretty widely reported i've tried, tried to find an article and I couldn't come up with one. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I have read before, I was looking for a quote. It was tr- attributed either to, to Richard Goldwater or Michael Silberkleit, um, talking about the fact that Archie Comics was disappointed with the sort of PG-13 rating and PG-13 slant that uh, the Josie and the Pussycats movie went for. I think that... The impression that I got from these articles was that the company really wanted an all ages, you know, PG family film. And what they ended up with is they worked with the directors who directed Can't Hardly Wait, which was uh, a pretty, um, I don't know, a pretty like important late 90s, like teen movie. Um, you know, important to people who were a teen when it happened or a preteen. Um, but, uh, but a great movie. I don't know if it's a great movie. It's a good movie. 
Um, but uh, a good teen movie. Um, and they went on to direct uh, Joes and the Pussycats, which was, as everyone knows, a box office flop. Um, but I-, I think a sort of emerging cult classic. It's a, it's, it's a big, big movie for me. I like it a lot. Um, but yeah, I think that they were disappointed that it didn't really uh, skew really closely to the audience that they were shooting for at that time, which was very much um, different than the, art, than the audience that they're going for now. Um, so... Yeah, I wish I could have found that article or, or that quote so I could directly attribute it and be do my sort of journalistic due diligence. But uh, yeah, it was it was my understanding that they were they were disappointed that it skewed a little older and probably um, that it underperformed. Um, I'm sure that if it had gone through the roof and made millions upon millions of dollars, they would have sort of changed their tune about how they felt about it. But um, but there it is. There's also. Um, when it came into the home video market, there ended up being a, uh, a, a family-rated edition where they chopped out, like, you know, a couple of risque jokes or some uh, some language and uh, and put it out. So you can see copies if you, you know, if you, you know, search wherever you're looking for videos. Um, you can find one that's got, like a, like, a silver bar across the top that says, like, you know, uh, edited for family viewing or something like that. Um, so... Th- interesting piece of trivia um second question and final question um second question from tiberius final question for today is uh if you don't have a podcast when riverdale premieres will you give a quick review of it somewhere on a blog or a quick recording that is a great question um i don't know yet i can't imagine that I won't have something to say about Riverdale when it premieres. Um, and I can't say that I won't, you know, stop doing the show in a few weeks, take a month or two off, and then completely freak out and uh, and come back to it or something. You know, I, I honestly have no idea what the future holds. Um, but I... And I, and I don't want to promise anything either because, you know, the premiere is probably going to be February or March, and that's many months away at this point. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think I will definitely have something to say about Riverdale when it comes out. Um, and, yeah, I might make some plans to do something around the, the release of it. I think I'm... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm leaving the weekly podcast grind, but I'm definitely always going to have opinions about what's going on with Archie comics and the, and the characters and stuff. So, um, yeah, I'll keep you guys, I'll keep you guys posted. Um, the Riverdale is going to be really, really interesting. I think, I think it's going to be really fascinating when that comes out just, um, with the premiere of it, um, or the showing of it at San Diego, there's a lot of positive critical response about it. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see what happens when the, the sort of diehard hardcore fans, like, you know, the majority of the people listening, uh, see it and their opinions on it. Um, cause it, it seems from, you know, the critical response that judging it as a TV show, folks are really liking it. Um, but you and I know that, uh, when there are interpretations of characters that you love, obviously your 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 mileage may vary on whether you like it as a show. 
So I'm excited about it. So to answer your question, um, I don't want to definitively say yes, but I would be very, very surprised if you didn't hear from me around the time of the Riverdale premiere. Um, so there it is. Those are your questions that you sent in for the past week. Um, thank you guys very much for writing in. Sorry it took a bit to get to your questions. I hope you guys heard them. Um, so let's, uh, let's wrap up and get out of here. All right. On the way out today, I want to remind everybody we got three more episodes. Um, so get in touch if you've got questions, comments, any of that. As I said at the top of the show, we're going to try to do an upcoming book club episode on Night at the Comic Shop. That is that is my plan for one of the next three episodes. Um, so if you've got thoughts on that story, if you want to call in, leave a voicemail. If you want to send in uh, uh, a message, if it was an exciting book for you, if it was a book you were into, a book you weren't particularly into, any of that stuff. If you got any thoughts at all on Night at the Comic Shop, uh, go ahead and send those in. As always, you can send an email to riverdalepodcast at yahoo.com. You can go to the Tumblr, riverdalepodcast.com slash ask. Leave your questions there. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, Riverdale Podcast. You'll find me. Um, And you can call and leave a voicemail. You can always call in to 573-427-2443. That's 573-4-Archie. Um, thanks very much to folks who are contributing on Patreon. It's a big, big help. Um, you'll be getting, as I said, your final exclusive video coming up in the next week or so. And then we'll be shutting down the Patreon, wrapping things up. Um, so, yeah, guys, get in touch if there's stuff you want to hear in the next few episodes. Uh, let me know. I'll try to make it happen for you. So thank you guys. Very, very much for listening. It's a pleasure having you guys here every single week. My name is Jonathan, and I'll see you again next week right here in lovely Riverdale, USA.